Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Jeff Grammer with the Albuquerque Journal, and you are listening to the Talking Grammar Podcast, episode 46 now. This is October now. We're about a month away from Lobo basketball season starting. November 10th is the opener in the pit. By that time, it'll be about 630 days, I believe it is, um, since the last home game, home men's basketball game in the pit was played February 29th, 2020. That was against a Utah State team led by Sam Merrill and Yemias Keda, um, a couple of NBA players now, um, en route to their Mountain West title that year, um, tournament championship, and they uh, obviously had a good run under Craig Smith, who was, who was moved on now. He moved on this past offseason. He's now coaching at Utah. And also this offseason, Paul Weir is no longer here. So it will be a, certainly a, be a new-look Lobo team when November 10th comes around in Florida Atlantic is the regular season opener. There will be another game uh, November 5th against New Mexico Highlands. That'll be an exhibition game. There will also be some form of a Lobo Howl. UNM has not really announced details about that yet, but there will be some form of a Lobo Howl. Anyway, uh, now that we're a month away from the season, we're really starting to amp up our preseason coverage and uh, preview material and content for Lobo basketball. And we we have today a conversation I had actually back in June with new point guard Arizona State transfer Jalen House, six foot point guard, uh, defense first, high energy guy, talks a lot on the court. Uh, I was at practice last week um, in present time, October 1st, not when I did this interview back in June. But uh, anyway, he he talks a lot on the court. He he has every opportunity in front of him to make this his team that he's the leader of as a point guard and is a very talkative one at that. And we talk a little bit about that. He's talkative on the court, not as talkative as I would have liked in this podcast, um, but he had just been here a couple weeks at that time. He probably didn't even, certainly didn't know me, um, hadn't hadn't even met some of his teammates at that point, probably didn't know the uh, sports information director who was also in on this call listening in. So um, it was a different time back in June. He's far more comfortable now and far more vocal on the court. Uh, than he was in this podcast, but he's uh, he's going to be the starting point guard, and I think Lobo fans are going to love him. He's a guy that is a, as I said, a defense defense first guard, high energy. He he doesn't care if he scores or not, though he can shoot when he's in rhythm. He's he's a good shooter. Um, obviously, I, I'm not going to sit here and and tell you um, as as a lot of people do with new Lobos recruits transfers. Um, whatever it is, uh, they'll tell you how they can shoot, they can defend, they can do everything on the court. Well, if that was the case, he would have been starting at Arizona State. So he certainly still has some stuff to work on, and he knows that. And he, he sees this opportunity, and he, as he talks about in this podcast, he takes this opportunity to develop his game. He thought it was about time to maybe get out of Arizona, get out of go away from home, and focus and lock in on, on improving his game. He is the son of an NBA player. NBA champion Eddie House, the all-time leading scorer at Arizona State University, where where Jalen played for two seasons behind some really good guards, Remy Martin being um, an elite level college guard that that uh, kind of explained why maybe Jalen didn't get a ton of minutes there. But um, he also played throughout high school for his for his uncle, another college just all-time great, and Mike Bibby, a national champion at Arizona. He was also in the NBA. So the uh, the basketball DNA is is very very much um, present in Jalen House, much like his teammate Jamal Mashburn, another former um, or another son of a of an NBA and college star who is now with the Lobos. So 
Um, this conversation, uh, this was an interesting year or an interesting conversation with Jalen House talking about energy and how he feeds off cr- the crowd's energy. I do think Pitt fans are going to love him because he is a defense first guy. He is a guy that's going to um, be vocal. He is a guy that's going to play in a way that that fans usually really embrace. And he says he feeds off of all that. So here's a conversation. Oh, actually, let me let me back up first and say and remind you now that the basketball season is starting, we'll start doing these podcasts on a little more regular basis. I hope you subscribe to local journalism and we can keep continuing to bring you content like this throughout the college basketball season ahead. The, the long awaited return to the pit for a lot of not just the local basketball players and team, of course, but for fans. I know fans really want to get back into that gym. That is a, a part of New Mexico that is for over a half century now. Um, the pit is, whether you're a Lobo fan or not, it's hard to ignore the fact that the pit has been a huge part of what Albuquerque and, and New Mexico really has been about for the past half century since it opened in 1966. It was, uh, it was rough on a lot of people, um, last year, not in any way trying to belittle, um, or diminish anything that COVID, um, how it affected so many, you know, just millions of people around this world really, and, and all that. But from a straight sports perspective, uh, the Lobo basketball team was obviously hit really hard. It's a team that in 2019-20, the last full season in the pit, brought in $3.5 million to the UNM athletic department and ticket sales for men's basketball. No other sport at UNM, including football, brought in even a million dollars in ticket sales. So while football has a TV contract and those kind of things, when you're talking about fans who actually show up to the gate and buy a ticket to watch a sporting event in this state, Lobo basketball is still king. And it brought in $3.5 million that the athletic department did not get last year. This year, they're now selling season tickets. Um, they're hopeful that uh, they, they budgeted for $3.2 million. They know there's still some um, hesitancy with COVID out there. They know attendance is down for New Mexico United Soccer. They're for the Albuquerque Isotopes. Nationwide attendance is still down a little bit, even though people are back at games. There's a, a wide variety of reasons for all that. And this is also a program coming off a historically bad year that led to a coaching change. So they're they're being a little cautious um, in their ticket sale projections, but they've already sold more than 6,600 tickets. Um, that's 81% of that 2019-20 number of over 8,000. So it's not the days of, of 10 or 11,000 season tickets being sold. But uh, the starting point for Richard Bertino is certainly certainly clear, and it looks like his starting point is going to be right around where Paul Weir left it off two years ago, at least in terms of the season ticket sales. And if that's the starting point after a year where the team played entirely out of state, and if that's the starting point after a year of COVID with current COVID cases in this state still on the rise a little bit right now, um, it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. That's a, that's actually a pretty good sign that uh, – you know, at least in terms of college basketball, things are getting back to normal. All that said, all this coverage and, and everything I just talked about is has have been in some articles this week in the Albuquerque Journal. And we, we cover, obviously, the player features like this whenever we can. Also, the games that are finally coming up. But we also cover matters like season tickets and finances and all that kind of stuff. So you can get all that in the Albuquerque Journal print edition, obviously, online as well, abqjournal.com. So please, subscribe to Local Journalism. We can bring you content like this as best we can, stuff you're not going to get on the national level. It is local journalism that will bring you coverage like this. So hopefully, if you have the opportunity, you can subscribe at abqjournal.com slash subscribe. Hope you enjoy this podcast conversation I had with Jalen House. Again, recorded back in June. He was still certainly getting his feet wet here and uh, in Albuquerque. And we held off on posting this until now. 
now that we're a month out of the season and it is about to begin again and basketball's back. I'm excited about it. Hope you are too. Let me know what you think about this podcast and future ones coming up. If you have any ideas, let me know. Hope you enjoy. Dylan, what's up, man? How you doing? I'm good. How you doing? I'm doing pretty good. I I, uh, I follow you on Instagram now. There's a lot of Lobo fans, I'm sure, do, because we don't really know the new players yet. All we get to see is on Instagram. So I see you were you were back home this weekend, got your hair done? Yeah, I got my hair done and I got a haircut. I saw you last week at practice, and I, it definitely looks looks a lot different than what I saw last week. So <laughs> Yeah, um, my hair was wild at practice. <laughs> Uh, well, and let me ask you: You play with normally? You play with braids? You, you play with it out? Uh, it just depends how I feel. I mean, if I want braids at the moment, I'll get braids. Like right now, I guess like I want braids because my hair is long, and sometimes like when I'm playing, sticks to my face. Yeah, and I don't really like that. So what are what are Lobo fans? I guess uh, gonna see other than than the, the guy with the braids or with the hair that's sticking to his face sometimes? What what kind uh, of player are they gonna see here? A player with a lot of passion for the game. I know. Uh, obviously, you're you're hit way back to Shadow Mountain. You're not exactly a secret. People around basketball know you, man. You've been you've been good for a while. You've been playing on a high level for a while. I, I don't want to. I can tell you that as I cover you, I'm not going to keep harping on the obvious. But when when your dad's an NBA guy, you know, I will ask you a little bit about about your dad. But you you've made a name since Shadow Mountain. You've been na- making a name for yourself. And I imagine that's something that's important to you. But let me let me kind of get it out of the way a little bit. Your dad is a guy who played in the NBA, who was, you know, the all-time scorer, leading scorer at Arizona State. What's it like growing up, uh, you know, in a household with with a guy like that? And how has it helped your game? Uh, I mean, at a young age, I was exposed to a lot of NBA basketball, just being around, like, his championship team. And, like, all the guys were just, like, really cool to me. They treated me like I was like their little brother or something. So just being around that at a young age, I, I got a lot of knowledge from like a lot of different people, like my uncle, my dad, uh, my uh, my cousins and just things of like like that. And for those that don't know, I mean, uncle played played in the league a little bit, too, and, and has, mm-hmm. certainly in Arizona, down in Tucson anyway. He, he's a legend, man. Like uh, tell, tell people who your uncle is. And uh, I, I think Mike is the uncle, and, and Henry would then be great uncle. I'm not sure what the no. Nah, Henry's my grandpa. Henry's grandpa. Okay. Yeah, that's my uh mom's my mom's dad. Mom's dad. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. So Henry is grandpa. How much did those guys help you too? I mean, not it wasn't just dad, like you said. Like you, you've been around a lot I mean, of high level basketball. Yeah, I mean, I was around my uncle Mike like every day. He he was my coach, so just like learning a lot of things from him, just taking picking his brain and also just letting him coach me and be coachable you're a guy that um i've never seen a youtube clip of a player that isn't just the guy hitting you know three minutes worth of jump shots layups and dunks and stuff you're a guy who's the youtube clip i saw shows you playing defense and Mm -hmm. you don't see that a whole lot i'm a little curious if if growing up um with the last name house if you had to play defense growing up against dad all the time because he was he, he could he could score some buckets, and if that had anything to do with why you're so good at defense. No, I never really played my dad one-on-one. <laughs> um, but just, like, at a young age, he taught us, like, the defensive principles. Like, I played on Team Bibby, and then yeah. – so it was, like, around my fourth or fifth grade year, I want to say. He started coaching me, 
and like we would have practice and we would just be doing shell a lot. And then once I got to high school, I kind of like had to play defense to stay on the court because I was only a freshman and like I played with my uh my older cousin and like some of his teammates that he played with like uh, throughout AAU. They all went to the same high school. So like to stay on the court, I kind of had to play defense and like I just been playing really hard defense since then. Look, I've I've covered Lobo basketball long enough that I know what fans like, and they're gonna love you, man. You're you're gonna part of the reason they're gonna love you is because you annoy an, an opposing point guard, man. You get under you can get under their skin. It doesn't mean you're you're dirty or anything, but when you play defense right up in their face like that, and you you pick a guy up full court, you know, like that gets under player skin sometimes. Like, do you kind of mm-hmm. drive off of that though when you can tell the other guys getting a little bit agitated because of the way you're defending them? Uh, I guess you could say that. I like. I could tell when somebody starts to get like flustered with the ball and that just gives me more confidence to just like try to pick them up even more and maybe get a steal or something. When you were at uh, ASU, for those that don't know you, man, there's some, there's some guys on that roster, man. You're you're playing behind some really good players, obviously. I'm curious what you learned from maybe playing behind like an Alonzo Virgin and uh, like a Remy Martin on the team. Like what did you learn from guys like that in your time at ASU? Uh, just to how just how to maneuver throughout college, uh, Remy, he taught me a lot. Zoe, he taught me a lot as well. Uh, and also just going against him every day in practice, you know, battling, just give me better. I saw an article. Let's see, Cronkite News. So I guess that's the maybe the student uh, journalism place over there at ASU. Yeah. Um, I'm lo- I'm reading the quote here. Verge said this about you, and I just want to kind of hear you react to what uh what Alonzo Verge said about you. You said, quote, he has a motor and to get that out of him, you would have to rip his heart, rip out his heart. He does everything that other people don't want to do. Those are the types of people you need on your team. Jalen House is one of those guys that you can put on any team and he'll flourish. What do you think about when you, when you see one of your teammates, one of the older guys too, um, say that about a younger teammate like you? I mean, it made me feel good. Just like he sees how I play and like, I want everybody to see that. Like, that I really care for the game and want to play hard and win. How do you do what something like he's doing there where he's, he was an older player that like is saying that about a younger player. Are you a guy, I know you're still a sophomore with the COVID year and all that stuff, but you've already played two years in college. How do you kind of convert into that next step where you are the leader and you're, you're kind of bringing guys under your wing a little bit and, and kind of. Uh, get out of I mean, end? in high school, I did it. So like, it's not really, a big challenge for me. I think I could take on that role and not just help the younger guys, but also help everybody. You mean, I mean, just because they're younger or older doesn't mean they know everything, you know, everybody still doesn't know everything in basketball. So like you could teach everybody. So I just like to talk to everybody and like uh, try to get a feel for everyone and see how, like how their mind is and like how their IQ is. I mean, at some point, I guess guys like me talk about age and who the older player is, who the younger players. You guys are all teammates. I mean, after after a little while, you guys are just all on the floor together, and leaders emerge no matter what class it says next year. Exactly. Well, let me first of all, let me talk about some of the numbers you put up at ASU: thirty nine percent three point shooting as a sophomore. I, I know you 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 hit twenty twice as a freshman, so it's not like you were only defending over there. You you had some some moments where you showed off that offense a little bit. You had a six steal game against Georgia. I'm I'm curious, you know, what numbers, if you put numbers or you put a goal on, on some numbers, 
what fans might want to expect for this coming year or if you put any numbers of your own for personal stats? I don't even have any numbers. I, I mean, I'm just trying to go out there and play my game and, and win some games with my team, man. You can hit some shots, though, can't you? Yeah. <laughs> I'll say it. Like, like you, you can shoot. Like, a, given the opportunity, and sometimes it's hard, especially as a, again, as a freshman, I'll, I'll talk about the age a little bit, but, like, when you're not getting regular minutes, it's hard to find a rhythm and stuff like that. Exactly. Um, but but w- when you're in rhythm, like, you, you can you – can, some buckets, right? Yeah, I feel pretty good when I once I start getting my rhythm. What did it take to come to New Mexico? Obviously, the decision to leave Arizona State was one thing, but then you got to pick a school. And I know the finalists were were local, which has its perks. Obviously, you got you got family. You talked about a lot of family um, that you you kind of grew up playing around and stuff like that. A lot of that in that Arizona um, area. So, when you decided to come to New Mexico, what what was the thought process? I mean, I just felt like I kind of needed to get away from home. I mean, I've been home my whole life, and I just wanted to see what it's like to be away from home and just really lock in on what I need to do. The whole making, you know, making a name for yourself kind of thing, I guess, part of that sometimes is, is going to a place like New Mexico, um, getting out of the backyard, I guess, a little bit. And uh, Exactly. And also, like, the culture here and the fans, like, everybody says the fans are crazy, like, kids that have been here before COVID started, they said it gets crazy in the pit. So I'm ready for that too. Yeah, it gets loud, man. It gets loud. It's, it's, uh, you guys got to bring it back a little bit, but it, it'll be there. The, the success wasn't there as much in the last few years, but obviously that's the goal. That, that's why you guys are here and all that. I'm curious what role, if any, and, and if you know him, but Jamal Mashburn Jr. had in this, did, did it help to know that you weren't going to be coming here from a power conference school alone like there was another guy that was was committed to and it looked like this program kind of had a chance when the two of you kind of were, were coming on uh, I wouldn't say that I mean like I'm glad MASH is coming but just like what coaches his building here I, I think he has something going you uh when when he's trying to convince you and, and I guess let me ask about Eric too since you know Eric Brown was around ASU obviously on staff and stuff so I, I'm curious what they told you about what this program is going to be and what the selling point for, for Richard Pitino and, and New Mexico basketball was, what did, what did they tell you? What did they expect out of this program in the coming years? Um, I don't really know what to say to that. <laughs> I mean, they talked about the pit obviously and, and what it can be. Yeah. And, and you, they sold you on that. Um, are you, you think you guys can be pretty competitive from the jump? I mean, right, right off of year one, this is a team that's coming off a pretty bad year. You guys all weren't a part of it, of course. You think you can be pretty competitive right away? I mean, we're we're basketball players. That's what we're striving for. So yeah. I don't I don't want to give any expectations, but like that's always the goal to be a good team. I know it's only June, but uh, and, and you haven't had a whole lot of experience with these new teammates. What do you think so far? What's uh, what are some of these teammates uh, kind of show you? I like the guys. They're cool. They have really high IQ, athletic can shoot the ball well, get to the basket. We have a, a pretty good team. I think you guys have obviously some size. Um, the the back are you is six one listed six one accurate? I'm like six foot, six foot. So it looks like a few of you guys are going to be in that six foot to six two range. So mm-hmm. backcourt, you know, I, I think there's going to be three of you guys that are going to be playing on a regular basis that are probably in that six foot to six two range. 
might be a little bit of a smaller backcourt if, if three guards under six two are playing at the same time. But you know, I guess you you make up for that in other ways, hitting shots and playing the defense. You do is that is that a concern mm-hmm. to you at all that there's several of you guys that are probably going to get minutes that might be six two or shorter? No, not really. I mean, it just comes down to playing hard at the end of the day. Is there a game that stands out to you at Arizona State or high school or anything that that kind of is your you know, when things were rolling, that was the game. That was the one that I remember. And uh, I mean, I didn't really have much games like that at ASU. So, um, probably like when I scored like twenty, I was like seven for nine in one game. Yeah, I think it was against Texas Southern. Yeah, I saw I saw one against Ryder and then another one against Texas Southern a little bit um, late, like a month later, maybe or a few weeks later. So, so you kind of had it rolling there. How much of the defense played into you going seven for nine in, the, in that game offensively? How much of your defense played into it? Uh, just like I think, I think a lot because like I'm always trying to pick up and get the energy going. So like, and the ball finds energy. Yeah. So like, I'm always trying to have my energy high and uh, get my teammates going. So you feel me? They they can have the same type of energy I have and the ball gets to them and they hit shots. But um, just playing, trying to pick up full court, get my energy going and just try to stay in my shot a lot. Cause I had a problem with that. Just kind of like pulling the string. Like get technique wise. You mean like getting out of it? Yeah. Okay. No, staying in it. Like I used to like pull the string. I'm trying to stay in my shot now. Ball finds energy. You said that that's mm-hmm. the that's that's kind of a mindset thing, man. That 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 plays into how you defend, isn't it? Like you you can always bring energy, even if the shot's not falling and stuff like that. Exactly. exactly. You don't have to you don't have to play, or you don't have to score to have a good game. Have your uh, I mean, is that something that you try and get teammates sometimes to remember if maybe their shot isn't falling or something like that? I mean, yeah, I, you can't really harp on. One shot, just like feel like the next one's going in. That's how I feel. If I miss a shot, I feel like every shot I shoot's going in. So, awesome. All right, man. Well, I will. I'll kind of finish up with this here. Next year in the pit, obviously the pit's going to get pretty loud. I'm curious. A non-COVID year, a year that you now have a, a good opportunity to get regular minutes and, and maybe find that rhythm a little more than than you were um, last year and stuff like that. How excited are you just to sort of? kind of get back to a regular season of basketball. How excited are you about what's what's about to come now that you're with the Lobos in the seasons ahead? I'm just excited to play in front of the fans again. I mean I I like I like playing in front of people like I like I'm like a I could say like I'm like a showman you you want to say I like to play in front of people. Uh I like to feed off their energy and I like to give my energy back to them so they get into the game. And, um, yeah, that's really it. If energy is like your thing and you brought it up a couple of times, so it sounds like it's your thing. Feeding off this pit crowd, you know, there's going to be moments where uh, where they probably pick you guys up a little bit. But but players like you through the years are the are the ones that the pit crowd kind of just loves because they bring their own energy, even when the pit crowd's not there. But then the pit crowd starts feeding off the player. The player starts feeding off the crowd. I, I think there's a good chance that you you guys, uh, you and the pit crowd, are going to have a pretty good relationship here, man. Anybody on this team surprise you so far? Like, I, I don't need you to name every player or anything, but anybody kind of stand out just in a week or so that it's like, wow, that guy, 
he's having a pretty good practice or he's he's been doing this like anything stand out just in a week i mean everybody's pretty good i mean we're at a d1 college so i wouldn't say like nobody's standing out everybody's playing how they should play i you would say good and you can be a floor general i mean you can run the show you can not just shooting you can set people up and all that uh, I feel like I'm I'm a pretty good basketball player, and I try to make the right plays. Awesome, man! I appreciate it. I, I I'm glad you're uh, I'm glad you're I'm glad there's regular basketball going on around here too, and uh, look forward to covering you, man. Thank you. Appreciate you. All right, well there you have it. There was my June interview with new Lobo point guard Jalen House. Hope you enjoyed that. Um, I I do plan to bring a whole lot more of these to the to the podcast in the coming weeks and throughout the season in Richard Patino's first season as head coach. And obviously I'll be talking with, with coaches, I hope, and players, I hope, throughout the season, uh, both Lobos and and players and, and coaches around the league and, and just around the team too. It's not always somebody that's actually on the roster or something like that. But anyway, I hope you enjoyed this. I do think Jalen House will be the starting point guard of the Lobo basketball team this season. My, you know, early first week of October – projection it's some of you i know i know like hearing these things um way too early to know for sure but i'll go ahead and and uh say something now that people can point to down the road and say wow you're what an idiot for saying for predicting that but uh for now here's here's my starting five projection for lobo basketball it's jalen house as the point guard kj jenkins and jamal mashburn jr as the other two guards be three guards that are six foot two and smaller and I think all three of those guards are going to certainly bring a whole lot to the offense um, for for the Lobos. But they are three guards that are six foot two and smaller. We'll see. We'll see how that goes. I do think Saquon Singleton, the returning, he ended up being the point guard really last year. But the returning combo guard, the point guard, um, whatever you want to call him, he's a he's a Swiss Army knife. It's what Paul Weir called him last year. Richard Pitino has essentially said the same thing this year. He's so versatile. He brings a lot to the table. Um, shooting is a weakness. Everything else is a strength. Shooting being a weakness is a big problem in modern college basketball, though. If you have one guy on the team that you can sag off of in, in a zone defense and you don't have to defend him out on the perimeter at all, at all, you know, it can be a problem. So Saquon's obviously been working on that. If he can stay out on the floor and not be a, a detriment offensively from a shooting perspective, he brings so much more defensively. He's so versatile. He can handle the ball. And if you can handle the ball as a three, or or actually in this case he'd be a four, um, that's that's a that's a mismatch for a whole lot of Mountain West teams. Saquon playing the four, um, obviously that means the Lobos would be playing a lot of small ball. If you got Saquon Singleton at the four, I think you got Emmanuel Quach probably backing him up as that four. So. That's those are my projections for one through four. I do think Jethro Muscadin, the the transfer from Kansas, will be the starting five. He's really more of a four, more of a stretch four, but uh, I think he'll end up being starting, getting some starting minutes. And and like I said, he can stretch it out. He he likes facing the basket. He can he can go back to the basket, but he he can stretch it out pretty. He's pretty versatile as well. So I do think this is a team that'll shoot a lot of three pointers this year. I do think this is a team that. If you slow them down in the half court and just pound it inside because you have size, there are some teams that have that. Nevada, a conference favorite, one of the the three teams, I think, that are on the top tier in this league that will be competing for a league championship. Um, they they got some seven-footers. You know, they, they got the old-school Steve Alford, Craig Neal 
punch one two punch in the post where they're going to have a couple seven footers the you know the will brown well the I, I guess i should just even be more recently than that because craig also had it as a uh, as a coach i'll go with the alex kirk cam Barstow days where where he had two bigs and he liked using them both at the same time both craig and steve so they got some of that this year now nevada is a team that's led by a Probably the preseason, not probably, he will be the preseason player of the year in, in Grant Sherfield. Just an unbelievable dynamic guard, another 6'2 guy. And uh, he's a guy that, that has some connections to, to like Jethro Muscat, and I believe they, they have some connections. He's, he's from Texas. And anyway, the Nevada is going to be one of the three teams, I think, at that elite level, the top three teams that all can win the championship in the Mountain West this year. The other ones being San Diego State. Matt Bradley's a, a transfer from Cal. San Diego State's now that team that will have two or three guys that are coming up, you know, year after year and have been there for two or three years that are really good and going to be counted on. You got Trey Pulliam, a point guard there, doing that. You got, you know, Nathan Mensah down low and does so much, so versatile defensively. He he sets the tone for that San Diego State defense down low. But then you add Matt Bradley, who, who was one of the toughest guys to guard in the Pac-12 last year for an awful Cal team. You know, he's a guy that, that's going to be the next transfer that is added to to a couple veteran, a veteran, otherwise veteran bunch at San Diego State that I, I just think that replacing Matt Mitchell and Jordan Shackle is not easy. But guess what? They're probably going to figure it out again at San Diego State and be right in the thick of things and probably be contending for an NCAA tournament bid. But the, the preseason favorite, I think the team that will be the preseason favorite probably will be my number one pick. I have not turned in my preseason ballot just yet. But uh, the, the team I think that will be that, I, I do want to talk with some more assistant coaches around the league before I turn in my ballot next week. But I, I do think the team that's going to end up being the preseason favorite in the Mountain West is Colorado State. And I think David Roddy was a guy who burst onto the scene a year ago. People know what he can do. He's a, he's a Charles Barkley power forward type that's – that's just super athletic, causes so many problems, so many mismatches, rebounding like crazy. His his tree trunk legs just as strong as there is down low. He's he's the load. He's hard to handle. And because he blew up on the scene so much last year, I I think a lot of people are forgetting that that Isaiah Stevens just might be, if not Grant Sherfield, I think Isaiah Stevens is the best guard in this league, and uh, he's certainly a first team type talent. So. I, I think Colorado State's probably going to be my number one pick, but I think this is a league this year that has three teams that can certainly be on that top tier, and all three will be competing not only for Mountain West Championship, but I, I believe if they handle business in the non-conference and they have varying degrees of difficulty in the non-conference, I will point that out. San Diego State has an unbelievably hard um, six – half of their non-conference games anyway are, are extremely hard. If you look around all of college basketball, not too many people are playing six games – the way uh, against six t- really tough opponents in non-conference like San Diego State is. So kudos to them for getting that done. They're a team that can get those games scheduled. It's harder for teams like New Mexico to get those games scheduled, but New Mexico is in no place to really try and schedule a tough non-conference schedule this year anyway. They were an awful team last year. Nobody wants to play a team that has awful computer rankings. And the Lobos, like it or not, the Lobos have those right now. They are coming in off of a 300-plus net ranking Nobody wants to play a team that bad. Some people think, oh, it's an easy win. You want to play it. That's not how college basketball works anymore. You have to play you know, good enough teams that it helps your computer ranking, but bad enough that you know you can beat them. That's what a lot of good teams want to do in the non-conference. Well, the Lobos, based on last year's performance and until they prove otherwise, 
they're not even good enough that it's going to help your computer ranking to blow them out. So that's why it was really hard for the Lobos to schedule a, uh, a good non-conference schedule this year. And yet they still did actually get some pretty good opponents. They're at Cal- at Colorado. That's a top, you know, th- that's one of the better teams in the Pac-12 last year, if people forget. Um, SMU is a home and home that starts this year in the pit. That's actually a really, really good SMU team this year, too. Probably one of the best players in the country on, on SMU that will be coming to play in the pit this year. And then, obviously, the home and home with New Mexico State is what it is. It's it's Regardless of whether or not either one of these teams are any good, that rivalry is, is always going to be a home and home. But it also helps both teams. It's not like either New Mexico State or UNM is going to get a better opponent to come into their gym anymore. Then their in-state rival, so you also have you have a road game and you know a good opponent coming to your gym every single year. So the UNM and MSU home and home is is another I think good one, uh, a good thing to have on the schedule. UTEP coming to the pit, not a bad game either. So the non-conference schedule not spectacular. I don't think it's that bad for a rebuilding team, eight new players, whole new coaching staff. It'll be interesting, and we're a month away, and I look forward to covering it. I look forward to getting back in the saddle. And, bringing you guys emptying the notebooks after every game, bringing you guys some podcasts, bringing you guys player features, previews, you know, whatever radio shows I can go on and, and talk about our coverage and talk about this team and this league and this season. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I will be an AP Top 25 voter again. I am on the Julius Irving Award um, panel for, for top small forward in the country, and I'll be doing that again as well. So, I'm looking forward to it, man. I'm, I missed basketball last year, too, just like a bunch of you Lobo basketball fans that missed having any basketball in the state. I, I'm a guy who who likes likes my job an awful lot, and I, uh, I certainly missed being out in the gym to watch practices and watch games last year. So I'm glad it's back. Glad you're listening again. Hopefully we can bring you a lot more of these. Again, my, my last ask of the podcast, subscribe to the Albuquerque Journal. Help us out. Help us bring you uh, content like this. It's not just Lobo basketball, obviously. We have a sports department that's bringing you isotopes, New Mexico United, the best high school coverage in the state of New Mexico. We're, we're bringing you all that, and we can only do that with your support. So abqjournal.com slash subscribe. You can get digital or print or digital and print um, packages for, for subscribing. Helps us out an awful lot. It's cheap. It's good. It's quality local journalism, and it's important. So hopefully you do that. Reach out to me on Twitter, at Jeff Grammer. Reach out to me on email, ggrammer at abqjournal.com. Let me know what you think. Until next time, thanks for listening.